All right, welcome back to our series called Killer Questions. Last week, um, we looked at the question, can God count on you? And I was uh, speaking to that point from the text from Isaiah 6, where uh, Isaiah sees the Lord and the Lord says to him, you know, who will go for us? Who can we send? And Isaiah responds by saying what? Here am I. Send me. Yeah, some of you were awake last week. That's what we talked about. And we talked about the fact that God uses us as agents of his. And if you remember, I was talking about the fact that God needs us to be his agents to our families. God needs us to be his agents in our schools. God needs us to be his agents at at work or in our neighborhoods or in our communities. And I was just talking about this fact that we, we are the ones that God uses to do things in this world. And we need to make ourselves available to him. It was so cool because one of the one of the thoughts I talked about last week was how you know even though uh, we live in a time where they have now said we can't pray publicly teachers can't do that in public schools that kind of stuff uh, all this kind of thing I talked about the fact that the, the world can't keep us from praying that doesn't keep us from being students who pray or being teachers who pray f- for our students or walk in the halls and praying for us go all that kind of stuff this week I saw the the coolest thing in the news and I, and I love how God gives me great sermon illustrations the week after I need them. You know what I'm saying? But I saw this in the news and I just thought this was so cool. Down in Tennessee, there was a school district where coaches and staff prayed uh, with the players before the football games. And there was a, a group called the American United for Separation of Church and State who heard about it and contacted the school district and said, that's illegal. You can't do that. If this practice continues, we will sue you. And so the school officials told the coaches and staff, uh, we're sorry, you can no longer lead in prayer for the students. You can't, you can't do that. That's, uh, we'll be sued if you do. But that doesn't stop parents from praying or, or students from praying if you want. And here's what happened. I thought this was cool. Throw that picture up on the screen. A group of the parents decided, well, if the officials can't pray, we'll get together and pray. So parents of these football players gathered together before the game, and they got in a circle, and they, they prayed and cried out to God and, 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 and all of that. It was just, just a cool moment. And then after the game, throw that next picture up there, the players, the team, home team, decided, well, we're going to pray too. So the players all gathered together in the middle of the field, and one of the players got up, and they, they, they led in prayer. Throw that next picture up. And then that wasn't enough. The other team gathered with them. People came out of the stands and there was just this whole prayer meeting thing that was going on right there in the field. Now, I I want you to get this because I want you to stop feeling powerless as a person of God because God has empowered you to do his work wherever you go. We don't have to have school officials pray for us. We can talk to God. You know, we can do these things. And I thought this is just such a great example of people who just didn't know any better than to believe we are agents of God. And if the school won't let us do it, you know what? We can do this on our own. Let me hear my heart again. I don't care where you go, wherever you are, you are an ambassador for our Lord Jesus Christ. Let him use you. Amen. All right, well, that was last week's message. In case you weren't here, it took me 30 minutes to say that last week. I got it all in five minutes. It's, my, it's a gift. Let's, 
Pull out your sermon outline. Let's look at this week's message. Um, I want to look at a passage of scripture from Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to give you an excerpt from the story. This is from the New Living Translation. By the way, we have Bibles right in front of you in the back of the pews. Those are great little New International Version Bibles. If you need a Bible, feel free to take one of those home with you. If you have a friend who needs one, feel free to take one for them. That's why they're there. If you remember the story uh, in Exodus God is using Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and take them into the promised land. And if you remember the story, this has not been an easy journey. They've encountered all kinds of struggles, all kinds of challenges. In fact, you know, as a leader, every once in a while when I start feeling bad about myself as a leader and I start feeling my job is so hard and I start whining and crying, all I got to do is read a little bit about Moses and I go, thank you, Lord. I'll be, I'll be this guy right here any day, you know. But here's what happened. Here's, here's, here's what happened. It said eventually they camped at, at Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink. Listen to this. So once more, the people complained against Moses. I love how it says, so once more, they complained. Complaining was a spiritual gift for those people during that time. It was just, you know, they just did this. He says, so, and they were complaining, Moses. They said, give us some water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? And Moses named the place Massah, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested God by saying, and this is the question I want us to process today, read it out loud with me, is the Lord here with us or not? Read it again. Is the Lord here with us or not? Now look at me. Have you ever asked that question? Let me reframe it maybe in a little more modern English. Where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? You, you know, when I, when I was working on these questions some time ago and I, and I came across that one, I thought, you know, that's a question I've asked before. You know, sometimes when, when life gets hard and it seems, you ever had that where just like one thing right after another, right after another, and you're going, Lord, where are you in all of this? Or maybe you, you've encountered a, a real painful loss. And it's unexpected and surprising. You're going, Lord, where are you in all of this? Or, or, or maybe you've gone through a health crisis. And you're saying, Lord, where are you in all of this? Or, or a financial crisis. And you go, Lord, where are you in all of this? And I, I think it's a great question. And that's what I want to talk about today. Where is God in all of this? Well, first thing I want to do is when I, when I was reading the text of Scripture I just started making some, some observations about the story of things that the Israelites did that I, I think are fairly true of us, and see, see if you can identify with, with any of these. Some, op, some op observations about how we respond to difficulty, and I'm, I'm sure you don't respond to difficulty this way, but, but they did, and you know, maybe we can learn a thing or two from them. Here's, here's one of them. We don't ask God uh, where God is when things are good. We don't ask where God is when things are good. Isn't it funny how quick we are to ask God where he is when things are bad, but do we ask God when things are good? And again, let's go back to the story for a second. God came to Egypt where these people were slaves, and he performed 10 miracles to set them free. You know, did they go, oh, where are you, God? We don't deserve you to do this. We can't believe you're doing this for us. And then he, he led them out, and you remember what happened? They got to the Red Sea, and here comes Pharaoh and his armies, and what did God do? He parts the Red Sea. 
You know, did they go, wow, God, we can't believe you did this. We don't deserve this. And then they got through Red Sea and, and they, got, they got to the, the bitter waters and God made the waters drinkable. And, and then he gave them manna in the morning and he gave them quail in the evening. God's doing all of this good stuff, but they weren't saying, where are you, God, when things are good? We do that, don't we? My guess is we spend a lot more time complaining to God about what he's not doing than we do thanking him for what he does do. And maybe you don't, but some of us do. How about this one? We often don't pray, we just whine and complain. We often don't pray, we just whine and complain. Isn't it funny again in the story? Now, this story would have made a lot more sense to me. It would have been just a, a, a lot more compelling story. If you'd have read in the story that the people started getting thirsty and they couldn't find any drink, and, and all of a sudden you see they start gathering, gathering themselves in groups and they begin to pray to God. You know, they begin to fall on their knees and say, God, we need you. Uh, this, is, this is our need. But you don't, you don't hear about prayer meetings breaking out among them. What you hear is about a group of people who come and what do they do? They just complain. And again, I thought, isn't that often true of us? Paul said, you know, when, whenever in, in, in Philippians chapter four, he said, don't worry about anything, but do what? But pray about everything. And I thought, and we get that just exactly opposite. We worry about everything and we often pray about nothing. Here's the third observation. Maybe you could relate to this. We tend to personalize problems that are universal. We tend to personalize problems that are universal. One of the first questions we can often ask when things happen that are, bad things happen to us is, Lord, why me? Why me? And the answer to that question is, because you're here on earth. You know, it's, that's not personal. Bad things happen. Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and the sun shines on the good and the bad. And in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, in this world you will have troubles. How many of you found that to be true? So as long as you're in this world, you will have troubles. It's just a part of living here. It's, look at me. I don't know what you've been through this last week, but it's not personal. Health issues happen to all of us. As we get older, they're happening more and more, you know? Uh, you know financial problems happen to us. Relationship problems happen to all of us experience life and death and trauma. We, we all go through that. It's real easy to take all of that personal, but it's not personal. It's just a part of living on this fallen planet. And let me give you one more. We frequently look for someone to blame. We frequently look for someone to blame. I, I, I love this in this story, how they started complaining to Moses. It's like, Moses, you are the one who led us here. If you really want some, some stuff that blows your mind, go back and read Exodus again and note how many times the people said to, to Moses, we should have stayed in Egypt. We were slaves, you know, but look, we should have stayed in Egypt. It's like, you brought us out here. You did, you did this to us. You know, again, we blame someone else or we blame God rather than crying out for God's intervention. Those are just a few observations. You can take the ones that are pertinent to you. But let me answer this question for you. Where is God in all this? Can I give you a few thoughts? Here's the first one. He's in the middle of it with us. Where is God? He's in the middle of it with us. Can I tell you where God was when the people were thirsty? He was right there with them. 
God was with them when they were in Egypt. In fact, God was the one who pulled Moses aside and said, I see the plight of my people. I, I, I see how, how they're being oppressed. I'm gonna set them free. God, God was with them when they were in Egypt. He was with them as they got out. He was with them through the Red Sea. He was with them when he was given a man and quail. God did not abandon them at any point in time. God may have simply been waiting for the people to turn to him in prayer before he answered what was going on. You know, he was right there. And I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're going through. Don't know what you're facing. But here's what I can tell you with 100% certainty. Our God is with you. He is right there with you. I love the passage from Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah said, don't be afraid for I am what? With you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. Read it with me, church. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And I'm gonna promise you, sometimes, you know, when we get in a really painful situation or, or a really difficult situation, sometimes we get so blinded by what we're dealing with, we forget to look up and see God. I promise you, right where you are, in the middle of what you're going through, God is there. In fact, my guess is he's showing up in ways and you just haven't seen him. I was, um, I, I'm coaching a, a pastor back east, and, and uh, this, a few months ago, we were, we were talking about some of the stuff that he was dealing with, and one of the things that came up is he began to talk to me about the, how their church was starting to struggle financially because of the whole COVID thing. Their attendance is down, and not a lot of people giving online, and they were kind of getting, getting uh, behind, more and more behind, and he said, man, he says, Steve, he said, I'm not sure what to do. He said, now we're about $50,000 behind. And uh, he goes, if this keeps up, their fiscal year runs with the calendar year. He said, by the end of the year, we're going to be maybe close to $100,000 behind. He said, man, we're going to have to think about laying off staff. We're going to have to think about doing this kind of stuff. And so we just began to just brainstorm. And he just said, you know, I, I, I just need to know what God wants me to do. And I, I said, well, have you, have you shared this information with the people? Have you, have you told your congregation where, where, the congregate, where you're at? And he said, well, no, you know, I don't really like to give bad news. People I said, well, they need to know this. I said, you know, unless you've got another source of income, I said, you know, your people need, this is the people of God. These are the ones you need to share this with. And so I talked to him about writing a letter and what that, what that might look like. And, uh, and he did. He, he sent this letter. I'm so cool. When I, when I talked to him about a week ago, he, 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 when we were, we were talking, he said, Steve, he said, you're not going to believe. He said, I sent that letter out that we talked about. He goes, I sent that letter out to our people, letting us know where, where we're at. He goes, I get a call from this woman in our church who says, Pastor, I can't believe I got this letter today. She said, I sold a piece of land that our family had had. He goes, I, I sold it last week for $360,000. And she said, I was thinking about what should I do with this money? How, I wonder if I should give some of this to the church. And she said, I was sitting there thinking about it and I got the mail and there's your letter in the mail. And she said, and, and it was like God put his hand on my shoulder and said, you know what? You need to tithe off of this sale. And she goes, that's $36,000 of the $50,000 made up right there. And, and he was like blown away. Then he got a call from another guy who said, you know what, Pastor? I can't believe I got your letter today because God had been nudging me. I've been really blessed financially. And I thought, I need to be giving more than I'm giving. He said, so I'm going to give an extra $10,000 gift to the church as well. He said, you know, it's so unbelievable because a week ago we were behind. And now all of a sudden it's all made up. Are you getting this? God was already there. He was already there right in the middle of all that was going on. All we had to do 
was inviting men. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want you to get this. Do you really believe that the God who loved you so much that he would die for you? Do you really think he would abandon you now? God has promised us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? You bet. I love what Paul says to the Romans. Romans 8, 28. Great verse to commit to memory. Read it out loud with me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Where is God? He's right in the middle of it with us. You know where else he is? He is in the people right beside us. He's in the people right beside us. Remember last week I talked about God says, you are my agents wherever you go. That means that, yeah, you get to be an agent, but guess what? The people around you get to be an agent of God to you. Have you ever been in a time of need and somebody just happens to show up to take care of that need? How do you think God works in those circumstances? You know, I can't tell you how many times I've sat with a family who's grieving or a family who's gone through a difficult time. And I've called them or I've visited them and I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm asking them the question, how are you doing? I can't tell you how many times people have said, Pastor Steve, I just can't believe it. I've, I've had neighbors show up and help. I've had people from church show up and help. I, I've had uh, a sister-in-law or, or a brother-in-law who, who came. Can, can you, do you need to get this? God uses the people around you to minister to you. That's God. Sometimes we're going, where is God? And the, the answer is, he's everywhere all around us through the people that he's given us. We've just got to be able to receive his help. Amen. Uh, a week ago, last this past, a week ago this weekend, we hosted the, the state GA for the Church of God here in Oklahoma. And so we had pastors and lay delegates from around the state that were here on Friday night and then on Saturday morning for uh, meetings and stuff. And we had worship services Friday night and Saturday morning. And Pastor Rachel uh, led worship with uh, some of her team. And Friday night, after a long, busy week and leading worship for the GA, Rachel's heading home with her daughter, Charlie. Uh, her husband, Luke, is a football coach and for Carl Albert, and they were at the football game. But she was heading home with, with Charlie, and she's on the interstate, and she has a flat tire. Now, how many of you have ever had that happen to you? And it's like, ah, oh, it's so annoying. And, and wouldn't it be easy to go, really, God? I mean, really? You know, I'm, I've led worship for you. I've been in a long week for you already. And now here I am on the side of the road with my daughter. And, uh, you know, what's, what's up with this, you know? And, uh, but as she sat on the road, she calls roadside assistance, which, you know, could take up to three days for them to show up, you know, for that. And uh, so she's, she's waiting, and she calls her parents, calls Chuck and Julie to, you know, can you guys come and, and be there and stuff? And while she's there... A guy and his family in a van go by them, see what's going on, comes back, turns around, comes up. The guy gets out of his van, comes over, and he changes the tire for her. Puts on the spare, gets them all, all, all hooked up, and, and, and Chuck and Julie were able to follow them all the way home. And when, when Rachel was telling this story, it's, talking about, it's so, so easy to get lost in the darkness of it and go, I can't believe I had a flat. How could God do it? Flat tires happen. They happened to you, they happened to me, they happened to all, but, but look how God showed up. Anyway, look, just hear my heart. 
Do you think that guy and his family coming by was just an accident? Do you think the nudge on that man's heart to stop and help was just an accident? Or do you think that in the middle of what you go through, God can show up in the people around you? Amen? I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, God comforts us in all of our troubles. Read it with me, church. So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Where is God in all of this? He is in the word that he has given us. He is in the word that he has given us. Oh, you'll get this. You'll get this. How many of you have ever been in the midst of a really difficult circumstance and all of a sudden God brings back to your memory or shows you in a personal time of Bible reading, he gives you the exact verse you need for such a time as that. How many of you that's happened for you? It's exactly what he does. God's word is eternal. And that's one of the reasons we make such a big deal about getting God's word into your heart and into your mind so you can have it when you need it. God gives us that word to hang on to. Psalm 119, 28. He says, I weep with sorrow. Read it with me. Encourage me by your word. And he does. One of my favorites, Psalm 119, 105. You've heard this. Read it with me. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of of passing our faith to kids and making sure that we're helping our kids know who God is and learn God's word. And, and again, it's not just so they can be, you know, kids, you know, who have a, you know, something, a little bit of touch of Jesus. It's about helping ground them in something that's going to help them the rest of their life. Um, I, I saw this little video uh, last week, and I thought, this is so cool. It's really, really cute, but it's just so cool. Clara is a two-year-old little girl, but already at two years of age, her parents have been teaching her God's word. Look at what happens in this video. Go ahead. Thanks for sending Bible. Yeah, go ahead. This not something. Can you say the 23rd Psalms? The world is my shepherd. I say not long. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. We be beside the still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, you are all through the valley of shadow of death. I will feel that evil for that with me. The warden I stopped and cut from me. It's just a palace the table before me in the presence of my enemies. I know it's my head with oil. My cup runs over. To regardless of mercy, I found me all the day my wife. I would live in the heart of the world forever. <laughs> Isn't that great? I wish God would have given me little girls. Man, I was, no Prince Nate. When you read, you watch this video, say, this is so adorable. It's so cute. Don't miss this. Oh, but it is so much more. You do understand that there's going to be a time in the near future that this little girl is going to need those words. 
She's, she's a cute little blonde with little cute curls and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, but she is growing up in a world that is wicked and horrible and oppressed with all kinds of troubles. Listen to me. Did you hear the words that she said? How many of us quote the 23rd Psalm when, when life gets tough and life gets hard? There's going to be a time when, when there's words that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Those words are going to be something that she can hang on to because there's going to come a day she is going to walk through that very deep, dark valley. Does this make sense to you? And getting that word into our hearts and our mind gives us something that we can hold on to. Pastor Steve, where is God in all of this stuff that I'm going through? He's right there in his word, full of promises that he can give you Words that you can hold on to when fear is overtaking you. Does this make sense, gang? Let me give you one more. Where is God in all of this? He is in the hope that he has promised us. He is in the hope that he has promised us. You know, when the Israelites left Egypt... God promised them he was going to get them to a land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And God doesn't make promises like that unless he has every intention to fulfill them. But somewhere along the way, the Israelites lost sight of the goal. They lost that hope that God had given them, that this place that they were passing through, this wilderness that they, they were in, that this was not going to last forever, that there was a better place that they were heading to. They lost that. Look at me. That's our story. Look at me. This world that we're a part of, ladies and gentlemen, this doesn't last. This doesn't last. You know, it's so interesting how many times people will, 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 you know, seek me out as a pastor and, you know, some, some latest thing has happened, some latest pandemic or some latest terrorist attack or some latest thing has gone on and we all get pushed back on our heels and somebody will look at me and they say, Pastor, you know, what is this world coming to? Well, I know what this world is coming to. I've read the end of the book and it's not going to last. But here's the deal. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't belong here. We don't belong here. We're just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. Paul said, if we don't have that hope, then we are among people to be most pitied. But we have that hope. And when you've got that hope secured in your heart, you know what? You, you can deal with whatever you're dealing with. You can face whatever you're facing because you know this isn't going to last. God has given me a hope that is beyond this world. I love what a Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 6. He says, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Read it with me. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Do you have that anchor in your heart? There's a, a really cool story. That picture of that guy up on the screen for me, would you? That's a, that's a guy by the name of Scott Drummond. Scott's in his 60s now, but when he was uh, 28 years old, 
he went through uh, a bit of a traumatic event. He had a, he had a, a skiing accident, and he, he broke a bone. Now, just a little survey. Anybody know what the most broken bone in skiing is? Your thumb. Your thumbs. Reason being, if you've ever skied, you're holding on to your poles, and when you fall, you'll tend to try to put your hand down, but your hand is often wrapped around the pole, and so you, you hit your thumbs, often hit your thumbs first, and that's the most broken. Well, Scott not only broke his thumb, he broke it, he broke it bad enough that it was going to require surgery, and so he went into surgery. 28 years old, he went into surgery for his thumb, um, but the nurse who was tending to him, it was the first time she had ever done this certain procedure and she was, as she was getting him, I think it was a tourniquet that she was putting on him and she did it wrong and Scott died on the table. His, he, Scott said the last thing he remembered, he said he felt, he felt and I guess the way they said it, it was like his blood flowed backwards because of how she put this tourniquet on. And he said he felt something go up his arm and across his heart. And he said, the next thing I know, he said, I'm floating. He said, I'm up above in the operating room. He said, I'm up above looking down on the table. He said, I see the nurse grab her head, running out of the room going, I've killed him. I've killed him. He said, I see her, her running out and I see other people rushing in. And he said, then all of a sudden, he said, it was, I was transported. And he said, there was a, a faceless figure that was guiding me. He said, but all I can tell you, he said, I, I was just at a place of, of perfect peace. He said, I, I've never been that calm. And he said, my heart and soul have never, ever been at ease. And he said, I, I just felt this presence of God all around me. And he said, it was, it was one of those things, he said, there, there aren't any earthly words to describe what I was going through. And he said, this a voice, he said, I can only assume to be God. He said, I, I said, is this heaven? They said, yes. And he said, this is great. And the voice said, Scott, you can't stay. I, I've got more for you to do. And Scott said, you know, this wave of disappointment, he said, all of a sudden, it was like somebody grabbed him by the arm. And he said, then suddenly, he said, I'm back on the operating table. He said, when I, when I wake up, he said, the doctors told me what happened. They said, I was dead for 20 minutes. He said, I made a full recovery and everything's been good. He said, but he said, something happened to me. I'm not afraid of death anymore. He said, when you catch a glimpse of where you're going, it's not all that scary. He said, all this stuff that happens in the world, he said, people get so upset about. And he said, and all I can tell you is there is a place far beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And I've had the privilege of just catching a glimpse. That's the hope that we hold on to in our hearts. I love how C.S. Lewis said it. Throw it up on the screen. C.S. Lewis said, there are far, far better things ahead than any that we will leave behind. I don't know what you're going through. No idea what you're facing. What kind of trauma may be happening in your life. What kind of problems may be in front of you. What kind of stuff may be overtaking you right now. 
But maybe, maybe in the last week or so in your own journey, maybe you have felt alone. And maybe you have felt overwhelmed. And maybe you've even asked that question. Where is God in all of this? He's right there. He's with you. He's working in ways you can't see. He's in the people around you that are whispering words of comfort and encouragement. He's there in his word, speaking you truth that you can hold on to. He's right there in your heart, in that hope that you know that there is something beyond this world that's not made with human hands. He's here. This morning, Rachel's going to lead us in a, a beautiful song. It's one of my favorites. And it's a song that basically just reminds us that God is with us no matter what we go through. And sometimes we just need to be still and remind ourselves that he is Lord. And so I just want to invite you in these next few moments, maybe just to, to take whatever is heavy on your heart, take whatever you're going through, take whatever it is that you're facing or whatever fear that you've been dealing with, just take a few moments and just lay it before God. And let him wrap his great arms around you. Father, I know um, that we have people this morning that are watching online or here in this service that are, are walking through some really deep waters. Uh, they feel overwhelmed by it all. Um, the pain, the trauma, the loss. And God, sometimes our hearts become so fearful that we become focused on the problem rather than the solution. We panic and we let our hearts get filled with fear and we forget just to cry out to you. So Lord Jesus, today, we take all of these things that are so heavy on our heart and, and today, Lord, we lay them at your feet. Father, I, I pray today for some of your children who are watching this this morning that, that you will wrap your arms around them, that you will hold them close to your heart, that they will know, Lord, that they will know your heart today that is one that you will never leave them or forsake them, that you will walk with them every step of the way. And yes, sometimes the road is hard. And yes, sometimes the, the way is difficult. And yes, sometimes it has pain and tragedy and trouble along the way. But you never let go of us. And you walk us to the other side. One day, Lord, we know we'll be in a place where there is no more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more stress. But until that day, Lord, we need your presence and your power in our lives. So right now, God, would you, would you hold some of these children of yours close today? Would you lean in and would you whisper into their ear, I've got you. I've got you. And Father, when we know that into your arms is as far as we can fall, we know that we can endure it all because we are never, ever alone. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for the ways that you see us through, even the storms of life. And it's in your precious name that we pray today. 
And everyone said, Amen.